Is it contagious? Have you seen a plague that isn't? <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Movies We Dig. This is a podcast where we talk about film and antiquity and how the two merge uh, and everything in between. So I'm Colin McCormick. And I'm Elijah Fleming. And today we're going to be talking about A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, uh, directed by Richard Lester, the 1966 musical comedy based on the Broadway show of the same name. So starting it off as usual, I'm going to kick it to you, Eli. What's your yeah experience with this movie and what's the context and uh, do we dig it? I I do dig this movie with like an asterisk, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the same sort of um, asterisk. I give some other things that I like, but I recognize as being problematic. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I first saw this movie in a Roman history class in undergrad. They mm, showed us okay. this movie and it was a really funny it was like the semester where I felt like I learned all of these crazy things and I was like making all of these connections for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I was in like second year Latin and I was in a Roman history class and I was taking medieval Italian because I was mm-hmm. an overachiever. Um, and it was like all of these things sort of like smashed together at the same time. And I was like, I recognize stock mm-hmm. characters, Commedia dell'arte, like plow time mm-hmm. comedy. And I, I don't know. It, it has a special place, I think, in my my early education of the classics. Nice. Yeah. Um, good, because that, that's going to be really good, because I think you're going to bounce nicely off me. Who? Do you hate this movie? <laughs> uh, hate's a strong word, but this I'll say that I think this movie, I don't dig this movie. I think I'm the wrong audience mm. for this movie for uh, on like a couple of levels. One is like I'm not a huge, uh, it has like no sort of, like hook of nostalgia for me in any way. I think right. I saw it for the first time. I think I was in college, uh, maybe later, but not a, not for any particular. Like I just saw it because I felt like I had to see it because everyone, <laughs> I think like my parents had, been, yeah. had talked about it. It was just this, you know, it, it had sort of a, 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 a place in the sort of cultural remembrance yeah. of the, of Rome and, and, and classics and things like that. But it, I don't remember much of it for the first time I saw it. I, I think my, my initial reaction was like, yep, that's a, that's a Roman comedy. <laughs> and I saw it again just a few hours ago and it, it hasn't really changed. I'm still like, like I said, I'm not a huge, I have no great love for, I love, I mean, I like musicals as much as the next person, but I have no great love or nostalgia for like classic Broadway, sure. uh, nor am I particularly invested in Roman comedy, just even as a <laughs> professional classicist. It's not really my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm like, I was sort of telling you before we started recording, I had to brush up a lot on sort of my knowledge of Roman comedy in a way that I hadn't since I took my comp exams in grad school. Yeah. Yeah. So it has no particular draw for me. Uh, and like the, the significance of seeing like Zero Mostel and Jack Guilford and all these other sort of huge classic stars on the screen together kind of is like falls a little flat. And then I think that draws into sharper relief, the more like problematic sure. elements that you, that you touched on. Yeah. I will say like, this is not for everybody. And I watched like the first few minutes of it just in my living room out loud. 
And Nick, mm-hmm. my husband, was like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> please, yeah. please do not watch this I out think loud. <laughs> the, 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 there's, like a, there's a couple of things that I kind of I was thinking about when I was watching this movie, and we can get at them in any order. I think the one I want to get to last, though, is like if you were to remake, kind of revisit the like, if mm. you were to remake this movie, how would we go about doing? Because sure. I think we've said before about a lot of these movies is that like any sort of take on ancient history or history really generally has a tendency to sort of say more about the time it's being made in or being produced in than the actual time period it's talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think this is kind of very obvious because like this feels like a very mid 20th century movie in a way that feels sort of, I think very dated for like, I think I bet if you were to show this to a class of undergraduates today, they would be like, why? Yeah. What the are you showing us this is this is like so bad but yeah so there's a couple of uh, things i had sort of picked out on our list of things to talk about and we can go about them in any order and, and one of them is is just roman just kind of giving like a little background and context for like what roman comedy is sure. and how it works and how this yeah. kind of really is a roman comedy but it's oh, also it totally is. broadway and and then just i kind of want to like i it, it spun me off on all these other ideas just about comedy you know sort of at large cool cool so yeah so if uh i don't know if you have a particular lead-in to say uh, what's your experience with like because this is based for for those listening this is based primarily on the plays of a roman playwright named plautus who lived probably around the 200s bc something like that like i think 250 to 180s that's about his date range Mm -hmm. what's your yeah what's your what's your experience with with plautus do you have any particular love or i or or hate for plautus i do like plautus i think i i liked him as like a a literature student but not as a latin student it's very difficult Mm -hmm. or i found it difficult to read plautus there's a lot of like sarcasm and uh, dialectic sort of clipped language. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's sort of fast paced, but it's kind of like, it is reading a play. So you think about like reading Shakespeare or anything else, it's sort of, it's way more fun to perform it or to listen to it. Reading Mm -hmm. it is kind of a slog or it just is sort of more difficult, but yeah, I, I love, um, Miles Gloriosus, which is one of the plays that this is based on. Mm-hmm. That was my maybe first Plautus play that I read like the entirety in English. And I think I kind of mm-hmm. got it. I was like, yeah. oh, it's it's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah, guess, I guess kind of. That's that's the real test is if you find it. Because like you said, there is there's a medium issue. There's a couple of issues that yeah. sort of stand between reception of Plautus and, and us today as modern audiences. Is one is is medium. Like we're very often we're reading this, not seeing it mm-hmm. sort of, um, and even seeing it on, I think the screen, I want to get back to this later. Cause that was another thing I flogged. It's just the topic of movie musicals generally, yes. and like whether or not they're a good idea. <laughs> uh, I think no, yeah, but I, I might be, I, there's a lot of, I think theater people out there that disagree with me or, you know, maybe just fans of Greece or something, <laughs> but don't at me or at me. I don't care. Fight me. <laughs> it's a hill that you will die on. Yeah, I mean, if I'm fighting against theater nerds, then yeah, I'll take my I'll take my chances. As a former uh, theater nerd, okay. <laughs> I also have a contentious relationship with theater nerds, sort of generally. I think it's th- it's th- from many years of being in the pit orchestra where I just sort of felt maligned and underappreciated, <laughs> and these 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 thespians just kind of flouncing around on stage. Yeah, uh, and I think I, I harbor a lot of resentment for them because of that, <laughs> but. 
where was I going with this? So yeah, one of the like barriers I think between us and Plautus is medium. And the other, like you said, is language mm-hmm. because Plautus is incredible. I mean, comedy, th- and this kind of bleeds into the other thing I-, I wanted to talk about because comedy is more than I think any other genre, I would say. Comedy is the most sort of bound to its like particular historical, cultural, social context mm-hmm. yep. more than. Yep. And so there's like, because we're not, you know, third or second century Romans, nor do we speak Latin, we're going to miss out on a lot of the like the in-jokes, the puns, the metaphors, all the like the double entendres that is like the thing that sort of defines yeah. <laughs> Plautus's style. Yeah. I remember, I think there was, um, I think it was Plautus. There was a passage of Plautus on a Latin exam that I took and I very foolishly just like chose that one to translate and I regretted mm-hmm. it about halfway through. <laughs> so I was like, well... Yeah. There's a thing that when you when you take a translation exam in in like in like Latin or Greek or something like that, like if you just have the sort of classic like sit down, translate, you know, whatever, these 20 lines or something like that, you tend to pick your passages that you translate based on how, you know, you look at the first two or four lines or whatever, and you're like, ah, like these are the ones like I like I reckon like these ones I kind of have a sense on, so I'm gonna do this passage, then you get halfway through and you're like, Nope. That was a I fell into that trap. (laughs) So yeah, Plautus, again, like I was saying, I kind of uh, did a little bit of brushing up, like uh, in a way, like I was remi- I was reminded of my mm-hmm. comp exams when I was, uh, but Plautus <laughs> is kind of a, he's an interesting figure because there's the Roman comedy, where to, where to start of like the, untackling the knot that is Roman comedy mm, because. That it takes quite a lot from Greek. <laughs> comedy yeah i guess that's the first thing we should we should really talk about is that roman comedy in general is indebted largely to greek comic sort of predecessor particularly a style of greek comedy called new comedy uh the most probably famous new comic that you could read if you're interested in greek new comedy is main menander again these were this is not my not my favorite genre ever i think they uh but they, they tend to follow certain Greek new comedy and then also Plautine comedy. And then it's even, it's sort of a, it's a debate in like literary criticism about how to like evaluating Plautus is such a tricky issue because it's so sort of deeply intertwined with Greek comedy, but also he is doing his own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Plautus is kind of one of two like playwrights that we have, uh, sorry, that we have surviving plays for. There's something I was reading up. There's something like, 130 plays at one point that are attributed to Plautus. We're not sure. And I think even the Romans themselves were a little dicey on that issue later. Cause <laughs> yeah. later in history, you get a guy named Vero who kind of goes through and he says like, he identifies something like 20 or 21 plays that he's like, these are definitely by Plautus. Speaking of Plautus himself, we don't even know the guy's full name. Yeah, no. <laughs> we think he's from Romagna or like the part of Italy that's going to become Romagna. So he's actually not a Roman sort of proper. He's from the kind of Italian countryside at large. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Plautus is, when you talk about Roman comedy, you also talk about Plautus and another guy named Terence, who, I don't know if you, do you like Plautus or Terence more? I like Plautus more because I feel like whenever I read Terence, it wasn't funny. Like I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about Greek new comedy. And Terence is, I think, a little bit more upfront about he is really deliberately adapting like specific Greek plays mm-hmm. for Roman audiences. Right. But it also seems that Terence's audience or Terence himself were much more sort of familiar. Like they were kind of more Hellenized, we might say, 
so there's some there's like that's part of the art of Terrence is that he's he's relying on sort of the knowledge that like this is an adaptation kind of almost in the way it, it makes me think of like when there's say like American adaptations of foreign sure. films yeah. that are hits mm-hmm. like like Death at a Funeral is the one that jumped to my mind like there was yeah. a British film that I love that is a great there's an American yeah there's an American remake I never saw oh, I think with Chris bad. Rock it was not good okay I did not enjoy it. um another one there was just there was a movie called Force Majeure that was I think by uh, like a Norwegian filmmaker, and then there's a, a remake. It's called something else, but it's starring Will Ferrell and uh, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus. Oh, I know what you're talking about. When they're on the yeah, it's the one. Or something. Yeah, it's like based. The movie is based on the original movie. Force Majeure is literally was inspired by this viral video of like I think at like a Swiss Alp like ski resort, and these people are out sitting or they're like sitting out on the balcony, and there's like a controlled avalanche. Like the the ski rangers are gonna like oh, deliberately detonate I like part of the yeah yeah they're like they're gonna deliberately detonate like part of the slope to like force an mm-hmm. avalanche to make it safe and the avalanche is like getting kind of like disturbingly close and you can see like there's this like man at a table with his family and he like gets up and runs away from his family <laughs> and the filmmaker saw that video was like what like how do you go and like the whole premise of the film is like after that happens like how do you go back and right. like look your wife and kids in the eye <laughs> after you like abandoned them <laughs> And so the, that that movie, I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be fantastic. And there's a there's the remake with with Will Ferrell and, and Julie Louis Dreyfus, which I don't I haven't heard any word of it. No, I don't know. I have another whole thing we can go about about the state of comedy in in America right now. But <laughs> but let's bring it back to Rome. So yeah. well, yeah, because like while Terrence was sort of just doing remakes, Plautus was more like using the mm-hmm. tropes and sort of creating different stories, right? Yeah, his there's not as much of like a one to one correlation, right. I think, with Plautus, and there's also funny. My here's my here's my own little headcan. I don't know if you watch South Park at all, but there's two characters in South Park named Philip and Terrence, yeah. who are like these this Canadian comic duo. And I have been like, can, I cannot find any evidence to support this, but I'm like convinced that they are an homage to Plautus and Terrence. <laughs> But I have no idea. That's just my own uh, that Philip and Terrence are. I mean, but they do kind of trade in the same like, I guess you might even call it like lowbrow. Mm, yeah. That sort makes of sense. comedy. Yeah. But yeah, like, but, but, but Plautus, like it's the, the bones are there. But one of the things about Plautus is, is it, it is sort of deliberately being adapted to Roman sort of like, there's a lot, like you were saying, there's a lot of linguistic jokes, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like puns, wordplay, little kind of like oblique references, kind of like. So there's a lot of, and so like when you kind of study it in like a formal class, it, it, I had a professor once say that he was a linguistics professor and, and you would think that the conferences in linguistics on humor, you would think would be like a who, cause it's like, <laughs> you know, jokes all the time. Yeah. In fact, they're apparently the, the, the most boring of any conference you could go to because it's people explain, disappointing. Yeah, cause it's people explaining jokes in formally in academic panels and that's like that's the kind of problem it's it's hard to you know one of the things like you know you've arrived in the study of latin if you find like a joke if you like can recognize a joke Mm -hmm. because that's i mean humor is just culturally and across languages like the hardest thing for sure but yeah plowtown plays and the plays that the, the greek plays that they're kind of inspired by they tend to follow certain conventions yep you'd say yep they're they're pretty formulaic usually it's uh i feel like most of them sort of boil down to boy gets girl or slave mm-hmm. gets freedom mm-hmm. or both <laughs> or yeah. both some, com- the same some time. combinate yeah it's, it's, it's somebody's either comes into 
uh, someone either gets married or comes into a bunch of money Mm -hmm. or gets freedom or some combination therein. Yeah. And so there are stock characters, much like Commedia dell'arte in the Italian tradition. So there's usually like the clever slave Mm-hmm. um the yeah. lovesick idiot i guess we yeah they're like the i call them the the idiot lover boy yeah <laughs> yeah there's like yeah there's, there's an old man character mm-hmm. uh very often there's like a pimp character or some kind of like slave dealer or something like that mm-hmm. there's usually a character called the parasite who's usually a slave yes yeah and they're kind of like they they just exist they're kind of a comedic i mean they're all comedic relief but the yeah. the, the parasites joke boils down to basically like i'm just trying to get food <laughs> it, it reminds me of in the, the avatar uh when they in the show avatar when they go and they see the play about themselves yep. and like the version of Sokka is <laughs> just like just about like food <laughs> yeah he's like i'm starving here that's like every single joke it's like just boils down to like hey i'm hungry the yep. parasite is just always trying to get a free meal there's usually like <laughs> if there's a soldier the soldier is usually kind of like a braggart mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so you have these these stock characters uh, and the plots, like you said, are, are they follow general conventions. And that seems mm-hmm. to be, you know, it's, it's sort of easily recognizable. And I guess the thing we should also say about just sort of ancient tragic performance in general is I think part of the thing that leads into this is the nature of the performance itself because they're wearing masks. Yeah. And so when you see a certain mask come on, you know, like, oh, it's the, you know, this is the, the clever slave or the old man, or the the, mm. the soldier. They're, they're going to have a mask design that's very evocative right. uh, and expressive of that kind. So it, it paints in very, very broad strokes. Yeah. And they were usually performed, like, outside, sometimes mm-hmm. on, like, big steps of theaters, not or, like, public buildings, like a temple or something, not necessarily always in a theater. So mm. they, they have this sort of very accessibleness to them. Like, it feels sort of like a lot of people yeah. would recognize and see this. Mm-hmm. It's like a kind of like a sitcom almost. Yeah. I would say that's actually a really good, like one of the ways I think I've explained the difference, like Roman comedy and also like Greek new comedy, which are kind of in the same generic wheelhouse versus obviously we didn't mention it, but if there's new comedy that sort of presupposes that there's an old oh. comedy and <laughs> yeah, old comedy in Greek is, is Aristophanes uh, generally. A lot of the most famous sort of comedies by him, things like Clouds or Frogs or Birds or those plays. <laughs> the way I kind of have explained it, and, and I'm not sure if this is true, and I think other professionals listening in might sort of wring their hair. <laughs> or do you wring your hands or your hair? Well, you can wring either, but I believe it's your hands. Okay, so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna ball up a fist and, and shake it at Colin. Yep. But the way I've kind of explained it sometimes is like. Old comedy is kind of like like the daily show in its aims. Like it tends to make fun of like political figures uh, or like current events, something like that. Like um like a play like Lysistra does is sort of talking about the Peloponnesian War. Or, you know, in Aristophanes' plays, he has sort of parodies of famous politicians on stage, right. mm-hmm. things like that. Or even like, I don't know if you've ever seen In the Loop, it's kind yep. of this British American, like, that's kind of like old comedy. Yep, I it's can like, see that. <laughs> it's like mocking the political process yep. and like the city state. And it's just, just kind of farcing. Like, it makes fun of Socrates, among mm-hmm. other things. I really like, there's a bit in It's Clouds where they meet Socrates in the play. <laughs> yeah. And he's got his like head in the, or no, he's in a basket because he's trying to learn about clouds. So he's going to like get closer to the clouds to learn about them. Yep. And his disciples are like, 
they have their heads in the ground and their asses in the air uh, so they can like commune with nature and they get into a debate about like which end a flea farts out of or something like that. Oh God. Yeah. It's just kind of these like lampooning sort of political, whereas like you said, like new comedy is almost more like sitcom It's like situational. Because yeah, mm-hmm. yeah in, in a lot of them, like this movie is like, like you say, it's like three, it's, it's, well, it's like every Plautus play it ever. Is. It's all of them, <laughs> pretty much, or it feels like it. <laughs> yeah, and I think the three plays that get cited is that it's like, like, Miles Gloriosus, mm-hmm. uh, Pseudolus, and I think um, Mostelaria is the one yeah. that, that, because yeah, Mostelaria is where the ghost house thing comes in. That's what that's yes. from. But it's also, I think, um, is that the one where they drug the girl, where they give her a sleeping potion? Or is that? Uh, maybe, I don't remember. I remember, I remember that one being like super problematic in ways that were more obvious. A lot of them were like that. Yeah. Like Menander played. This is like when I read Menander in, in graduate school for the first time. I was I read the Menander. I was like, I hate this. Yeah. This is like it's not <laughs> funny. The jokes aren't the jokes aren't there, and like it just just brings out the things that are really bad because yeah. it's very flippant about like slavery and cruelty and sexual violence and things like that. Mm. Uh, which we're gonna I think we're gonna get to in a second. Yeah. But so yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's situational. And yeah, it's it's all like a lot of the like old comedy or Roman comedy. It's not old comedy, new comedy, Roman comedy, Plautus in particular. It's all like contrivances. It's like mistaken identities or people sort of confused about what you know. It's like I person A thinks person B is this, and person C thinks person B is this, and they have the the humor that ensues from that kind of conflict. It's yeah. just like iron, you know, it's dramatic irony, lack of knowledge. Like the the play that I think of a lot is I think it's the Menikme. That's the one where there's two twins, yeah. or there are two identical <laughs> twins that have been lost, and they don't know that they're identical twins, and they're they, they're both in the same town at the same time, and everybody's like getting confused because yeah. they think one is the other or whatever. Someone's always been like captured by pirates, or yes, there's there's always yeah, there's always a uh, usually like a slave or, or a young girl who's actually a sort of from a freeborn family that mm-hmm. has been sold into slavery because they were kidnapped as pirates as a, as a child. But they all sort of like end happy. Like they they all sort of like mm-hmm. wrap up. Like the mistaken identities are always revealed. The yeah. the kidnapped children are always like proven to be mm-hmm. freeborn. Um, mm-hmm. every- yeah, there's always like a ring or some kind yeah. of token that they have that proves that they're yeah. so who I they think say they are. That's also in that sort of sitcominess is that there it is all like kind of wrapped up almost at the mm-hmm. end, where it's like, oh, yeah. everybody is mostly happy. It like turned out okay. Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. feel good. Everybody, I want to say the characters that were the characters that were supposed to sort of root for end up married, yeah, um, and or rich, yep, and or free or something, and. The yeah, and the like, and everything just kind of everyone just kind of comes to comes to terms. Like in 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 Milius Gloriosus at the end, the soldiers just like all the tricks and contrivances that are happening around him. He's just like, yeah, I'm cool. Like yeah, it's, it's, like, it's all okay. good now. <laughs> yeah, every, everything's all good. It's like you know they say like the way you tell like how do you tell if you know if a Shakespeare play is a tragedy or a comedy? And so if it ends in a wedding, it's a comedy. If it ends in a funeral, it's a tragedy. Yeah, it's kind of I think the the general litmus test holds here as yes. well. For sure. So I don't I don't think we could even explain the plot of a funny thing happened on the way of the forum because I tried to explain it to Nick and I was like, I'm sorry, I don't I don't know if I can. <laughs> when you get into like the nuts and bolts of it, it is 
wild because there's like 20 things happening at any given time and all the time i don't know maybe this this is just me but like this is like a 90 minute movie it's like 98 it's a not a long movie and it kind of feels like it drags yeah i was but for me it felt like i was because i was reading an old review back when it uh like a variety review from like 1966 or something like that and they're like it was so fast-paced and i was like i did not feel (laughs) fast-paced at all i felt like this was Oh my goodness. Cause there's so much going on. Cause there's like we said, it's every play. It's every layer of contrivance just layered on top of each other. Cause there's the, you know, Pseudolus who's our like clever slave character played by zero Mostel. He's pretending to be free to, he's trying to get the, the girl Philia to his, his master's son hero so they can get married. But then she's promised to the soldier I'm, I'm trying to explain it now and I can't because I'm already like, well, but no, but also, yep. so yep. the Lycus, the, the pimp, he think like, like the Philia at one point thinks the dad, Senex, is, the old man character, uh, is the soldier, but they also think everyone has plague and the other slave, Hysterium, is people think that, that he's Philium and, and everybody, it's like, it's all of this stuff going on and I just kind of like, Whoa. Yeah, I think it's partially um a feature of like trying to make a broadway musical a movie i was i was just about to say because like i wonder what it would be like to see this in live well there's two there's there's another thing one is like this is a musical Mm -hmm. but they cut out most of the songs from the musical Uh, i'm not sure if that was good or not but well i feel like the music or i guess the singing and dancing sort of like gives you more time or like mm-hmm. in the stage production probably gives more explanation or really just like adds more depth into what in the world is happening because yeah. it's yeah i'm trying to think of i had this thought earlier and i should have written it down and now i can't think of it but i i the songs did feel like they dragged like when she starts singing all I am is lovely. I'm just like, oh my god, mm. can I fast forward? Like, I yeah. Wanna... <laughs> and also, part, part of it is is again, there's there's a there's sort of a the time. Like maybe those song those songs might have slayed in the '60s, yeah. but like the, the all I am is lovely and it's like good to have a maid. I listen to these now. I'm like, yeah. It's just, I'm just kind of like, uh, I can't con- I can't condone this. No, because it's a lot of like I'm not sure if it's like it's not really boomer humor. Or what you might call boomer humor, humor, but it is yeah. kind of like old man humor, where it's mm-hmm. like, it's like I hate my wife. Like, there's so many jokes that are like, I, I hate, hate my wife, wife. <laughs> and like I just want to like, I'm just like an old creepy man. I just want to like hang around beautiful and I just like leer at, at beautiful young women. That's which like, you know, I there's a lot of comedy in the last sort of seventy plus years that has sort of has gone back to that well. Yeah. Uh, but I think in the in our year 2020, that well has dried up a little bit. Oh, sort of, yes. The, the gaze of this movie is, is sort of thrown into very sharp relief of like, in a way that is very uncomfortable. Yes. That's why I asterisk. <laughs> yeah. But, but, just, but to get back, like, if there's, like, if we were to see this on stage, sort of performed live, not only would there be sort of more songs, I think that might help. Like, mm-hmm. like I think like seeing people sing. Like, I think one of the big problems with movie musicals is like it's much for whatever reason it's so much more satisfying or entertaining to like see the songs performed live. I agree. Than to see them on the screen mm-hmm. and see the dancing and and all that kind of stuff. And and also just I think it would better like the 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 in personness like being in the same room as these actors would really I think impress much better the like frenetic energy that yes. this play has because there's so many. Yeah. Because it's it's like the thing where like Pseudolus, this 
this clever slave character, he's constantly weaving these little plots and these lies and these tricks about you pretend to be this person, you pretend mm-hmm. to be this person, I'll pretend to be you, we'll tell them this, we'll flip around the hourglass, we're doing this. And then, you know, he's like constantly like sort of, you know, like he's not even really one step ahead of the game. He's just barely, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like a juggling act. You know, there's so many plates in the air yeah. and it's like, you know, that sort of tension. I was going to say, I think that tension would just translate so much better if I were like seeing a man yeah. like have this kind of, you know, nervous, like barely keeping it together energy. Because it's almost like he would be on stage the entire time. It's like mm-hmm. a lot of the other characters seem to come and go, but because mm-hmm. he is yeah. this sort of like, weaving this entire web and he is the spider like orchestrating all of this stuff um it's it would be a really awesome performance to see somebody do yeah uh which also makes me wonder i don't know if i have i don't know if there's been a recent revival of this in any way there was a night there was a revival in the 70s that won some when this musical came out on broadway it won tony's yeah the revival won some tony's too it was very it was pretty well like pretty widely received mm-hmm. uh, which is why they brought in you know mo- a lot of the like original cast or, right. or cast from the west end like uh, leon green the the soul miles yep. gloriosas um <laughs> also in this play like everybody this is not this is not unusual to roman comedy but everybody's name actually just says who they are <laughs> uh i mean it's less obvious because it's it's sort of in Latin. like senex just means old, old man, man. <laughs> domina just means like Master, mistress, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ma- master of the house. Pseudolus just means like tricky slave yep. uh, in Greek. Uh, philia just means like beloved, I guess. Yeah. Hero. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no no tricks there. Nope. <laughs> Milius Gloriosus just means like braggart soldier. Bolster. Yeah, braggart soldier. Exactly. <laughs> you know, everybody is everybody is a trope, mm-hmm. uh, and like that, you know, and that like sort of works. Or I mean, it worked, I think, for Roman audiences. I wonder now also just. This is a, I was thinking to myself of just like, you know, like, like leaning that heavily into tropes is part of the, how do I want to phrase this question? The fact that like sort of Roman theater leans so hard into these kinds of trope characters and, and formula and things like that. Is it just because of the nature of how they experienced productions, things like that? Whereas like, you know, if we were in our sort of, in our living group, I can watch, you know, 30 shows a day or whatever. Right. We sort of now, I think in the, the amount of just media we consume has led to like the need for more and more sort of the novelty and innovation and things like that. Because, you know, you see a show and you're like, well, it's just kind of this show or it's like this other show. Right. But then I almost think, I almost wonder if that's sort of in the setting where like Rome where going to a show is like kind of a special event. It would be like, right. you know, maybe accompanied like a religious festival or it's not something you do constantly. No. So it sort of need, it needs to rely a little bit on those kind of tropes to really like cut right to the, you know, cut to the quick of things. Right. Well, you, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because you couldn't have like a series of plays that like continued the same story because mm-hmm. you would no one person would ever see all of them. Yeah. In order, I guess. Or yeah, you couldn't have like long form, you know, like Sopranos type. Yeah, no, that would never work. Or, you know, <laughs> your 12 seasons of The Office or however many. How many seasons of The Office are there? I have no idea. Um, A lot. Eight. So, hang on. I'm going to go back and I'm going to like go back and. I'm going to guess 10. I'm more afraid of people coming at me for, for not knowing how many seasons of The Office there are. <laughs> There's nine seasons. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, like. 
And, and you know, these people and that and also like, like leave room for like things to sort of change and grow where it's like, yeah. look, we've only got a couple of acts to get to this, this play. We're just, let's just like, let, 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 let's play to what the audience knows. For sure. Yeah. So it could be somebody's first time ever seeing any play or it could be somebody's like, you know, third time seeing a play, but they saw the other two years ago and, but they all recognize the characters. They all would understand the plot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Which is also kind of ironic now, maybe not ironic, but like it is kind of ironic now that the sort of immediate like uh, shorthand that would be available to say like a second or first century audience or, or, you know, in Rome is not available to us. Like if we were to watch, like we need to be, we now need to be explained who and what these tropes are. And also like, there's other just big contexts, like the marriage and like customs regarding slavery are not what they were. So like that needs to be kind of explained, like the significance of like why the freeborn son can't just marry a slave girl. Right. Why it's important that at the end of the play, it turns out that she was actually freeborn all along. Mm-hmm. And then that like legitimizes their whole relationship. Right. Right. Which like to us today would be like, like, well, you know, just marry. <laughs> yeah. Like why, you know, I mean, yeah, we, there's like things that, that would, there's like sort of like this like legal, cultural, social, there's so much like stuff that like, mm-hmm. we're just not there. Yep. So like, ironically, it has to be like explained back to us. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, which again, which leads me to sort of, yeah, like my two, we kind of, have, I think, already answered this question, which is just like, how has this play aged? Well, I think it's probably aged poorly because I think it is such a good reflection of an ancient Roman play. Like it, mm-hmm. it really follows all of those tropes. Uh, it has all of those stock characters. It doesn't seem to like update those social and cultural contexts. And I think even when it does, it updates them in a way that it's like, like you know, it, it updates them in a way that is like appealing to I think like a mid twentieth century comedic sensibility. Like the scene I'm thinking of is when there there's this whole they're doing this whole like sort of uh, ball and cup game with the with Senex, the sort of master of the house, hero's dad, and the soldier and his wife Domina and. Domino like goes up to the bedroom and she thinks that the soldier is going to like visit her mm-hmm. and Senex is also like sort of led to the bedroom and he thinks that the the Philia is there who's actually his maid and who's, who wants to sort of so he's like going to have an affair with his wife and so they both and so like the wife thinks she's going to have an affair with the soldier and the husband thinks he's going to have an affair with the, the maid mm-hmm. and they both go in then they kind of like turn to each other and she's like he's like oh my my wife and she's like oh my husband and I feel like to me like that is like that boomer humor I was talking about yeah. like you know, there's so many jokes just about those two that are like, mm-hmm. like marriage was like, you've been distant these last 29 years or something <laughs> like that. Or, you know, which yeah. to me, that doesn't seem like a, that's not a Roman joke at all. No. That's a like, that's a, that's a joke for our parents mm-hmm. that like being trapped in a loveless marriage for decades <laughs> is like something they find funny I've or been, found funny. I don't know. I've been watching Mad Men for the first time. And that sort of mm-hmm. makes me think of, cause that's in the sixties and the sort of like, there, well, this play is in an episode of Mad Men, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trapped in yeah, loveless so- marriages and the sort of like, oh, the, mm-hmm. like jokes they make on the train into the city. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, I'm not going to come home tonight. I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know. Or like, yeah, the whole the whole scene where Pseudolus, uh brings Hero into the 
the brothel basically mm-hmm. and all of the all of the girls come out and they each do their like dance and it's all like very racialized yep. in a very uncomfortable way it's terrible and and then so there's that um which again feels like a very like 20th century kind of yes probably and then and then there's the whole joke that all the girls are kind of like fawning all over hero and he's like sweating uncontrollably <laughs> and just this like yeah uh and like that sort of thing again like that mm-hmm. is a that seems like a like with the ways in which this play or this movie updates the humor yeah it updates them in a way that now feels it so it's like doubly dated yes. where like the core plot is you know from the is 2000 years old mm-hmm. and then the the jokes or the updated humor are still dated because they're like they feel like 70 years old yep. i feel like if we showed this to zoomers they'd be like this is disgusting i feel like what is this <laughs> why are we watching this mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like i, I yeah there would be so much like like you'd have to explain it twice you'd have to explain both the like roman context then you'd be like well also but also the 60s you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah like humor in this you know and i was wondering like because a lot of like sort of those classic i mean so many like classic or classic i'm doing air quotes comedies have like aged pretty poorly mm-hmm. um i'm thinking particularly a lot of 80s comedies like things like revenge of the nerds yeah which like you watch now and you're like these guys are like should go to jail yeah that's no good and or like i don't know like family like i don't know family vacation mm, that's so bad i remember being so mm-hmm. uncomfortable watching that yeah you're like, i mean that's like the joke in when chevy chase is in community like the joke is that he's like so out of date and like mm-hmm. doesn't realize how like wildly inappropriate right. he is at all times yep <laughs> which is not unlike i think the real chevy chase <laughs> there's an interview with donald glover where oh, the I interviewer basically that. asks he at the interviewer basically asked donald glover like what's it like to be you know working with chevy chase like comedy legend and donald glover's answer which i really liked was basically like he, it's like it's fascinating to watch a man who was once at the top of the world now not be top of the world and like reconcile with that in like an uncomfortable like flailing way yeah because apparently there was there's also all sorts of backstage drama with with chevy and and he like left the show early mm-hmm. but so yeah there's like this movie has become because like we said the comedy has comedy is very like specific yes. in its sort of scope you know I mean, like what people find funny 30 40 2000 years ago you know doesn't I, yeah it doesn't translate that's not to say that none of the jokes in this work for me oh yeah i agree <laughs> um was one a good year when he has the bottle yeah wine? <laughs> yeah or the, the just the first i think it's like one of the first scenes where hero is like trying to send like a pigeon with a letter to to philia and he like ties the <laughs> note to the bird and he throws it out the window and it just falls right to the ground and there's so like good. you can see there's like there's like 10 other birds also with letters tied to the feet down there. They're like, yeah. oh, like, that's good. The one, it, there was a blink and you miss it line, but it, it, it did get like a, like a big, like, aha. There was very few parts in this movie where I like laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like the, the one is a good year. One was with the birds, but the other one, there's a brief line. It's like a blink and you'll miss it. But the soldier is like recounting his, like, he's like doing his memoirs to the, and the, the scribes writing it down. He yeah. goes, now, as we all know, goal today is divided in eight parts. <laughs> I was like, ah, it's funny if you've read Caesar, because the first lines of Caesar are Gaul is divided into three parts. And anyone who took Latin in the last like hundred years probably read those lines (laughs) and would just know that all of Gaul is divided into three parts. It is a fact. (laughs) Yeah, 
I do think that Neely's Gloriosus was my favorite character. Oh, he had, he had another line. Yeah. He, like, stand back, he, I take large steps. He, I was just about to say, I was like, he said that line. I'm like, all right, this guy, this is good. He's got that, like, because he's played by, like, a Leon Green, I think, is this classic, like, West End actor. He's got this bass voice. You know, he's like, he's like, I'm Braggart. And he's like, does the whole, like, he's got that, like, you know, a vibrato, like, trembling, like, operatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I think just kind of kind of works. Oh, it works so well. <laughs> we didn't even mention, we haven't mentioned this yet, but probably, I would argue, the biggest star in this movie, um, which I, I didn't even recognize because he was very old, Buster Keaton. Yeah, well, isn't this, didn't he die after this? He died the same year this movie came out. Yeah, this was his last performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was very old, or he was very sick. Mm-hmm. And I think he was giving people on set a lot of uh, nerve, like he was freaking them out because he like he did a couple like pratfalls and people were like, "Oh my god, please stop, um, please stop." <laughs> yeah, it was like, could you imagine like being on set, be like like being on the set that killed Buster Keaton? Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like can't no, can't ever no. live that down. And there's like there's a bit of like Buster Keaton esque, like there's that the whole chariot chase yep. scene. There is a lot of like slapstick e, mm-hmm. which. I don't gets me. I laugh at that. That's funny. Yeah. The um yeah, the whole bit with like the 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 chariot comes off the horses and yep. it's kind of like riding around. <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah, there is a fair amount of uh slaps like the acro the, the everything with the acrobats. I like the acrobats. Or just like hero like keeps falling down. Or he also he, yeah, he he was sort of known. I think Michael Crawford is the actor, and he I think is sort of known for his like practical like stunts. Like he did. There were some other productions and stuff where he was in where he was like he's really good at like falling down stairs and things like that, <laughs> which he does a lot in this movie. He yeah. that 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 hero. I mean, we I don't really have much to say about the individual characters other than that. Like we already said, they're all incredibly yeah. sort of trope. They're just these sort of crystallized tropes. But he really also adds an element that I think is not necessarily in. Like the adolescents, mm-hmm. that the young lover kid who's like usually just in love with some girl in the play is not as quite as, I would say not usually quite as dumb as I think <laughs> Hero is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe a bit more like a, like a cipher for the audience. It's like you want to root for the young kid. So he's maybe not usually quite as dumb. Maybe um, I don't know. Yeah, because I don't really want to root for Hero. Oh, not at all. I don't. But I don't want to root for any of them. Like, it's one of those stories where it's like you kind of hate everybody, but you like love to hate everybody. Yeah, and that's like that's the the pseudalist character, and like those characters, this 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 clever slave, the service Calidus, is just like yeah, the, this like tricky slave trope is kind of like he's that he is a character that you kind of. Like, like, just he's supposed to be a character that you sort of like despite yourself. Like, he's yeah. he's like swindly and dealy. They introduce him in the movies, like he's the laziest, like lyingest, <laughs> trickiest, or whatever. Yeah, you know, he's the worst worst slave ever. But like, there's got there's a little bit of charm. Mm-hmm. I think Zero Mostel, like, he's kind of he's pretty charming. Oh yeah, I mean, as the character, I think is charismatic for sure. But you're kind of like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the other, like, the, I think the other, like, I think this is, I think, a fault of both the source material and just the production of the times it came out. But Philia is really just the most passive character ever. She has no... Yeah. No agency at all, really. Yeah. Where she just, like, hero, like, he, she goes to Hero's house. He's like, I'm in love with you. And she's like, okay. <laughs> 
I guess I'm in, I guess I'll be in love with you too. But then she's like, I'm going to go to the soldier. She's like, yeah, I have a contract. So I have to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she doesn't really seem like, like, I don't really know at any point what Philia does or doesn't want. She just seems like she's just going to do like, she's this weird, like there's like a, there's a, she's this, there's like a not a male wish fulfillment care but she's like a she's like this this idealized like male gaze like this like like the whole song all i am is lovely is like i mean you can do a feminist sort of take like really no i was not even take like take down of this whole piece and just tear it apart because there's a lot to be angry about oh yeah from a feminist perspective just the way the, the how sort of passive and objectified women are in this this whole thing but i do think that is partially i think from the double whammy of both of the time periods. Yeah. Because isn't I think, one of the Plautus plays, like the female character doesn't even get a line. Like mm-hmm, she's just like yeah. there. Her presence mm-hmm. is just either on yeah, stage they're, or they're, just like in a bedroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. they're, they're afterthoughts. And Menander yeah. is like that. Um, Menander plays are like that as well. Mm-hmm. They're just, you know, they they exist to get married. They're, you know, for, for men to compete over and things like that. Yeah. Which I, yeah, my, what was about to say? So the, the question actually, so we, like we said that this movie kind of, like you said, suffers from the double whammy of being doubly dated. Mm-hmm. Were you to sort of, if someone were to like, like come to your death, like say you were like a producer or whatever, and, or <laughs> a director and someone like was like, look, we want to do a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Or, or not even like a revival of this, but like let's like let's do like an adaptation of a Roman comedy because uh, I have a thought because I think it's not impossible to totally make a smart like updated comedy based because I'm thinking particularly I know we, we did we see this uh, together but the the um, Little Hours yes <laughs> I might have shown it. I'm I'm kind of obsessed with this movie but it's it's a sort of modern take on the Decacameron this medieval Italian sort of farce loosely based i would say sure it's starring yeah. like aubrey plaza mm-hmm. and uh like nick offerman is in it and john c riley like all these big sort of stars yeah. it's um, hilarious <laughs> yeah very very i think very smart very very funny yes i think it is possible i think you could like the bones of roman comedy are like not necessarily like like could you do something like that with say like plautus yes maybe sure. not terrence maybe not terrence but yeah because i feel like Little Hours specifically, like, takes so much of, like, the weird, raunchy character of, mm-hmm. like, Boccaccio and the Decameron and makes it, like, very female-empowered. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these nuns are, like, crazy to have sex with this guy. And so it's, like, it mm-hmm. keeps that same, like, very raunchy story. But they're all, like, it's the women are the main characters. And, like, they're making all these decisions and they're like running off into the woods to be witches. And <laughs> that's, I love the witches part like kills me. We're, we're, what's uh, Kate Maguchi's character like ruins the witch or she. It was great. So yeah, I feel like you can definitely use a lot of the, the tropes and the bones of a plotine comedy and make mm-hmm. it something very smart and very funny. I, I think like truly like, yeah, like, like a play involving, two identical twins being mistaken for one another like that i'm not sure that will ever like not be funny not, i mean you could do it better or worse but like i think that could that can still be fun like yeah. we're laughing about it just thinking about right? it like <laughs> or yeah or the idea of you know just say there's there's two young lovers you know we can get we can we can you know do away or or update the the, the sort of the control slave you know free 
power yeah. thing. Or make it so they just, like, literally just give the female character, like, more voice. Make her the central character. Yeah. Make her the... Even you could have a female slave who's the pseudolist type character. That would be really fun. Yeah. Wheeling and dealing. Like, just the idea of, like, the slave sort of wheeling and dealing beneath the master's house. The master sort of being dumb. Slaves sort of winning their freedom. I think like, it could totally work. I'm not a comedy writer, so I'm not the <laughs> one to do it. But, like, I could see it happening. I don't think, sure. like... Well, yeah, because it, it is so, like, sitcom-y, I think of, like, all of the adaptations of the modern adaptations of, like, Shakespearean plays mm-hmm. and how, like, Ten Things I Hate About You is actually a much better story than Taming mm-hmm. of the Shrew, which is mm-hmm. not, which is very terrible and misogynistic, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good example. Like, you could you could also do that, like, I'm reminded of a, there's an Onion article from years ago that's, like, revolutionary Shakespeare director to set Shakespeare play in time and place Shakespeare intended. It's like, <laughs> cause like, you know, so many like, it's like, it's, you know, Macbeth, but it's like, you know, uh, the Pacific theater in, in 1941 <laughs> or whatever, or not 40 wouldn't be the Pacific theater wouldn't be in 1941, but like yeah. the, the, you know, World War II. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Like, you, you know, you think, yeah. When, when you think of the merchant of Venice, you think of the streets of, you know, Los Angeles yep. in the late sixties. <laughs> you know or like west side story you know all sure that stuff. yeah you could always do that like you really just take the sort of bones of like the contrivances mm-hmm. that this play kind of like revels in mistaken ideas i think like there's also a really great comedy to be had sometimes like just go dumb and it can be really funny yeah of just there's a great comedy to be had just be like we need to party in my we want to party in my dad's house and he's coming home too early so let's tell him there's a ghost in the house <laughs> Which is the most hilarious one yeah, of the plays yeah. that, you know, it's just like, I want to party in my dad's house while he's gone. So <laughs> ghost it comes into a ghost story that yeah. just like spins way out of line. Yeah, that sounds like it could be like a super bad-esque movie. Like, and that would be funny. I mean, there's another thing, just like I have, this is a thought that's been on my mind, partially just because of like a lot of the media I consume and, and like pod, other podcasts I listen to and things like that. But like comedy today in you know, the, the late or, or you know, 20 uh, America is in kind of a weird place. And there's been, I, I linked the, there's a couple articles in the, the doc we share of just like, there's a lot of articles and you can hear comedians. Like I've seen like Kamala Gianni and like Jason Mitsukis talk about this, that like comedy is not, doesn't have the same presence in the box office today that it did like even 10 years ago, or mm-hmm. like in like, think of like mid 2000s, 2008 where movies like Anchorman or, the hangover or like bridesmaids like those knocked it out of the park they were huge box office hits and we haven't had one like that in so long that's true are we just all so miserable <laughs> yeah i know it's it's just like i mean a lot of people like there's different things that people have pointed to like one like a common thing that people cite sometimes is that the international box office is so much bigger mm. these days like particularly appealing like right. audiences in china and like because comedy is sort of so culturally specific, right, like right. it doesn't translate as well. Other things like also that comedy seems to be generally migrating onto streaming platforms. Like there's really, really good comedy and like yeah. television and, and things to be had on like Netflix, for example. Another is that it's kind of getting sucked up by other genres, like superheroes. Like there's a lot of yeah. big movies that you would call comedies that are really super, that are also superhero movies. Sure. So you don't really think of them as comedies yeah. like Deadpool. Right, right, right that are like doing really well at the box office or like uh crazy risk Asians, like romantic comedies, which like 
they're comedies, but they're also, I mean, just thinking like in terms of genre, like romantic comedies are kind of their own. Right. I would, at least I would consider. Oh no, yeah, for sure. Um, like I wouldn't necessarily put crazy rich Asians in the same sort of generic bubble as like bridesmaids, for example. Yeah. That makes sense. And yeah. And then like modern comedies that seem to be of that ilk, like the sort of like book smart or long shot, I'm like, or like there's other movies, like there's a bunch with Kevin Hart that have come out, but right. like nobody saw them. Yeah. I loved Booksmart. Booksmart was so yeah, good. Yeah, like I liked it too. <laughs> and like, but nobody saw it in theaters. It was sort of a, it just didn't, it had really good word, sort of, it has like, not cult status, but it has like good word of mouth. Yeah. Everyone who sees it, I think generally likes it. Yeah. But it just doesn't have the success. Like, I think a movie like that would have done much better had it come out like, you know, seven eight years ago maybe. right 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 that leads me to another sort of thought about just the the issue with roman comedy i'm going to bring it back around because the movie that i think is interesting to think about in relation to roman comedy and applaudus in particular is actually i think crazy rich asians what? tell me okay more. and i'm i'm going to explain <laughs> i want to explain my theory in a second because and here's why okay because like one of the reasons, one of the things you could sort of come at Roman comedy for is being unoriginal, just being like a retreading of stuff Greeks have already done, a recycling of their plots, of their characters, things like that. But at the same time, I think the argument for Plautus is that he migrates that successfully to a Roman audience, and a, that a and, and like the plays that he's adapting are themselves pretty old right. in Greece, but he is he's bringing in sort of Latin sort of wordplay and jokes and he's really like situating like there's a lot of greek in the bones and he's really situating it for for his roman audience and i don't know if you so that my, my, my thought and this is sort of a half-baked thought is that in some ways like you could come at crazy rich asians not so not on the the uh, sort of cultural dynamic but that it has a lot of things that are tried and true like as a its plot is very similar to a lot of romantic comedy plots sure. yeah we've seen simultaneously though it's also incredibly novel i think because it, it is locating this sort of tried and true plot into a new into a, a new and a very particular sort of context like this very specific context with like super wealthy asians then going to singapore and like chinese mm -hmm. expatriates and like wealth and class and there's all these things that are sort of coming into play that are specific in work and then you can you know take like like the general arc of like i guess you don't see the meet cute but like you know these two these two characters are in a relationship mm -hmm. there are struggles in the relationship they have a falling out they have a beautiful reconciliation mm -hmm. you know nothing like we've seen that but i think what made creaturizations so sort of like appealing to people is that the way it took that sort of plot and then put it in this very novel particular and like very relatable kind of for i think a lot of people situation does that make sense yeah yeah or not and un, for some people for some like very relatable because it talks like i think very real issues in like asian american and asian communities sure. but yeah. then also for for no sort of you know us you know like outsiders like uh, like it sort of sheds light does that make sense yeah no i can see that yeah because it's i, I might cut that whole rant out i'm not sure <laughs> if it tracks at all no i can sort of see where you're going with that but i feel like it's it would be different or it would be even more like that if there was a like a translation element yeah if we if it were something like it's more like if we took like yeah maybe maybe a better it is maybe like plautus is more like 
like a movie like the like an adaptation of death at a funeral or something like that but i think death at a funeral like fails where like plow succeeds where like yeah the the charm that made death at a funeral so funny i think was like a, a lot of it was like rooted in its britishness yes i agree i'm trying to think of i guess an american adaptation of a different well, okay flip side wait. the office the office i do think is better than british office. british office Mm-hmm. But this might be very controversial. I like the American version of um, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo better than the Swedish version. The movie. Oh, that is a controversial take. I haven't seen either. I'm actually anti, I'm like sort of an anti Steve Larson. Um, <laughs> I've read the first two books and I had no desire to read the third. I, I had a kick in undergrad where I just like read them all and we watched all the movies and I was a little obsessed. So. It's okay. Yeah, I don't think I saw either the Swedish or the American version, so I can't I can't comment. But I, I, my understanding is that the Swedish version is generally preferred to the American version. I believe it is, and it's very good. It's like it's a great movie, but I don't know why I love Rooney Mara. She's a great great actress, and I really liked her in that role. Okay. Um, we've got we we hit, we just hit an hour. I think I said pretty much most of the things I wanted to say. Cool. Did you have any any last hot takes you wanted to share? It bothers me so much in ancient or like ancient set movies when women wear bras. Like all of them have these like bodicey thingies and they're all strapped yep. up and I hate it. It's so dumb. <laughs> that would lead me actually to my Yes, I agree. There would be it 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 shouldn't be so um what's the word <laughs> I'm looking for? I'm making a gesture with my hands, but like so <laughs> Compressed, not compressed, contained. Contained, I don't know. yes. The 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 question I actually I was going to ask, I forgot to do, but it's just this movie's approach to, it's like the set and the costumes sort of generally. I kind of think it's fun. It works. It's like dirty and messy and like everything is sort of smashed together. And you can kind of see like little bits and pieces of like, oh, I've recognized that's like a Pompeian wall fresco and it's painted on their house. Yeah. And, or mm-hmm. like at the top of a balcony, it like looks like um, a sarcophagus, uh, like freeze yeah. sculpture. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. But none of it stood out to me as like horrible. It's all kind of fun. I had one. I only had one like pedantic classic sort of quip. And that's just none of the statues are painted, oh, which well, they yeah. would have been. Everything, everything's, everything's all the statues and the columns and the art and stuff like that is all like sort of stark white which we we know and have known for a while is not the case everything would have been painted up the wazoo for sure yeah it's i think it has a little bit of that case where it's just like it's just gonna stuff any and all sort of greek and roman art wherever it can yes like you know there's little like reliefs in the walls that are like i don't know from like funerary reliefs or something like that just kind of like shoving it all in the (laughs) in one place but sort of like the busy messy dirtiness of it all i think kind of works Yeah, I think that that's about right. Yeah, everything they like. I, there's a part I think I think like the girls are like stepping out of the carriage or something, and, and none of them they're all barefoot. I'm like, oh, I would not want to walk barefoot <laughs> <Gross>. there. <laughs> yeah, <it's> terrible. <laughs> the oh, I, um, Domina, like, her hair is done up in like a mm-hmm. very specific way. That's like design. I think that's it's um, was it uh, like Hadrian? Yeah. She, there's like a couple there's like a very specific hairstyle where it's like all the massive curls kind of yep. piled up in the front you know it, it's a lot of like again i think this play is supposed to be set during nero's rome yeah they never do they ever say that 
I only know that because I read it in the Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's in the playbill. I'm not sure. I mean, that makes sense. If they're just trying to situate it. I mean, yeah, there's nothing that I think screamed out any actual time period. No, but it, it also like that's I mean, I think like with Roman comedy and new comedy, like we said, it's because it's whereas like Aristophanes and that genre is very much rooted to like the political goings on mm-hmm. of yeah. the fifth century in Athens when they were being written or the fifth and the fourth century. And the new comedy is kind of like, like it could be whenever it could have been yesterday. It could have been a hundred years ago. Yeah. Sort of yeah. like, so that works. That's, you know, that's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> yeah. The, the cultural, the sort of historical context is, is implicit, not explicit. Yeah. It's not about, they're not talking about anything that's happening mm-hmm. sort of politically. It's more yeah. just like the kinds of humor that they're, that they're going for. And like, and like we kind of said, it's, it's situational. I almost like, I just thought of task. Like, so Roman comedy is almost so formulaic. I just had an idea. Almost if you could task someone to write their own plot on comedy. Oh yeah. You could totally. Do like, I don't think it would be that hard. It's like, I've got these like trope of stock characters I can work from. Like, you know, I think it, I think it'd be pretty like you or like not even a person. Like, I wonder if you could like program a robot to like, or oh, like, this I'm, has totally been done. Hasn't this been done? If we Googled this, will it come up? Yeah. You know, it's like a machine. Well, like they had a, they had, they had a machine learning algorithm that like wrote a book of Harry Potter. Yeah. It's just like, they fed it all of Harry Potter and then they had, I bet you could do that. You could like feed a machine learning algorithm, like every Plautus play and it could like produce a Plautus play. And I would very much want to read that. Yes. Uh, so any, uh, any, any pro computer programmers out there, if you know anything about machine learning, hit us up to see if you could like, if we, if it's possible to train a computer to write Plautus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we'll make a movie out of that play. and we'll produce it i will i will fund i will produce and direct i will do the casting uh we will produce this play that a computer wrote in the style of a second century bc roman playwright no one would see it (laughs) (laughs) all right uh yeah do you have any any uh, sign-offs i think that's it for me Alrighty. um in that case i'm gonna we're gonna do our farewell so as usual, you can find us on uh, our website, moviesweedig.com. You can also find us on Apple Stitcher and our Apple Podcast Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Dig Movies. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We're, we're I, I like to think we're refining now that we're this is what episode ten. I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's episode ten. Um, tenth time's the charm. <laughs> All right, bye everybody. Bye guys.